We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is Sports with Coleman on the fan in the Charm City. We've been tracking down Jeff Perlman for months, maybe decades, so a treat to have him. Here on in Baltimore, Jeff, appreciate you taking the time. When was the last time you visited the Charm City? Oh, man. It's been uh, many years, maybe since I was a baseball writer, so 20 years ago maybe. Yeah, that's what I figured. I, I, I didn't think you had any reason or occasion to come through here uh, unless you were covering a sports event. It's been a long time. But I like Baltimore. I got no uh, no beef, just haven't been able to go. Yeah, just don't believe everything you see on TV the way it's portrayed. Not every part of the city <laughs> is that is way. <laughs> and speaking of, we'll get to the way TV uh, takes uh, dramatic licenses. But how many of these books have you written where the subject has really refused to cooperate, whether it be a Brett Favre or Barry Bonds or Kobe and Shaq or anyone with the Lakers? And when they don't cooperate, does that sort of inspire you? Well, I mean, most of my books, people actually have cooperated. Um you know, Shaq, Kobe didn't, but Shaq did, Phil did, so most of the Lakers did. Um, you know, you're always, when you write about teams, it's a guarantee some players aren't going to talk. So I did my first book, Everywhere was an 86 Mets book, and Goodman Strawberry didn't talk. But I got pretty much everyone else. And it um, it does motivate you. It totally motivates you. You you basically like, all right, you're not going to, but not like, you don't get mad. Like, everyone has a right not to talk to you. So I never get mad about it. But I do sort of think, all right, well, I'm just going to work 100 times harder. And you're not talking to me, but I'll talk to 700 other people. And then when you come back and complain and say, well, he didn't talk to me, I'll know, number one, I gave you every opportunity. And number two, I just busted my butt interviewing everybody who sort of engaged with you through the years. That's all you can do. That's fair enough. And you've chronicled some very complicated athletes over the years and people, whether it be a Bonds or a Clemens. Uh, the USFL and Donald Trump, among others. So it's been interesting reads and interesting characters, and these guys have all evolved over the years, uh, some for the worse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I could think of one in particular who you just mentioned. Yeah, I, I, I know. I, I, we're on the same line there. Whose name rhymes with Ronald Schlump. Yes. Um, yeah, and then some for the better. I mean, when I was working on the Mets book, Daryl Strawberry, I think, was in prison or he'd recently been in prison, and he's had apparently a very virtuous life since then. Um, you know, certain guys really evolved. I think Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was a nightmare when I wrote about him. And, you know, I think people now find him to be a, a pretty fairly agreeable guy, which probably helps when you're not pumping your veins with steroids and all sorts of hormones. I just think generally over time, this is what Sean Green, the former Dodgers, said to me. He's like, we all get nicer once the games end. And I think that's generally true. I think most athletes become nicer, more agreeable, more likable, and probably even better and more f- 
baseball people once they're done competing. I totally agree. I think they mellow out a lot more, and they don't have to, you know, apologize to their teammates all the time for things they may have said. I think that factors into it as well, especially if they're on a team. No, I think so. Also, like, you don't have an employer you have to answer to. A lot of these guys, I mean, I'm not talking about football, where guys' bodies are just ravaged and damaged, and, you know, the, the aftermath is usually pretty ugly. But if you're a baseball player, so you're Sean Green, and you made millions and millions of dollars playing baseball, but when you were playing, you always had to be a little cautious. Like, you couldn't just snap back at Gary Sheffield or Kevin Brown or someone and say what you're really thinking about them because you have an employer to answer to. But once you're done and you're just playing golf or running a business or whatever, you can say whatever the hell you want. I think that must be really liberating. Who had a worse temper uh, when you covered baseball? Would it be Kevin Brown or Barry Bonds? To me, that's a tough call, Jeff. The answer is Albert Bell. Uh, thank you. All right, Albert I'd go Bell with that. Yeah, I dealt with him too, unfortunately, here. <laughs> the worst. Well, Delman Young's in my uh, in my group as well. Well, you also never came head to head with John Rocker, so you got to throw him in there. This too. is true. Thankfully, I didn't. Now, uh, you know, when people approach you, I mean, you have written at a high level for for decades now. Does it surprise you when someone comes up to you and recognizes you solely for one piece of work? Do you think, dude, you know, that's just one one of the things I've done in my career? I mean, I'm a writer, so it's not like I get recognized that much. But when people say true. <laughs> the thing that I mean, it's not, you know, it's not, you don't see my face that often. I, um, the two things I find, I, I literally just said this to my son yesterday. Every now and then someone will come up to me and say, uh, or write me on Twitter and say, you're my favorite writer. Your book, so-and-so book is my favorite book. And I always think, uh, really? Like, have, do, you, do you not read other books? Like, are there not other authors? You, I just, I find it very surprising. And my son said, well, maybe, you, maybe you write stuff that inspires people or maybe there's something. And I, so that's always a little weird. And, um, you know, the John Rocker article from way back when, in the last month, last week of 1999, like that stuck to my my forehead for a long time. And after a while, that was like, I, I was very much like, you know, I've written other things, right? Or, you know, I have books now. And, you know, that, that was this one article. So uh, I always found that really annoying. Well, of course, these days, as we speak with Jeff Perlman, author here on Sports with Coleman, everyone wants to talk to you about Showtime and how much did Hollywood dramatize this when it came to winning time, whether it be Jerry West or Jerry Buss. Or... I can't imagine Kareem yelling at that kid on the set of Airplane, Jeff. <laughs> well, I don't disagree with you, but he was definitely not. Like, to me, like, there are certain scenes, I, f I feel like people have to understand, there are certain scenes that represent something. Right. Like uh, there was a magic bird press conference scene that I freaking love, like love, love, love. And it didn't happen the exact way they showed it. Um, but the, the press conference itself and bird's reluctance and magic's exuberance, like it really symbolized something. And Kareem was a jerk to autograph seekers. And he was really, really rude to people and really standoffish to people. And I just think people, it kind of comes with, I always say this, it's a cliche, but it's really true. Pick any, based on a true story sports TV show or movie you've ever watched and loved from, you know, Rudy to remember the Titans. I mean, pick any of them. We are Marshall and they all do this stuff, this Hollywood stuff to it. And for me as a writer, I just kind of had to accept it. It's not something I was comfortable with. I had to accept it and realize it's just part of the medium. Were you on the set where they asked you about things or were you not there? I was on the set a bunch, but mainly I would get the scripts and they were, you know, they asked me to read the scripts and give my opinions. And I, um, I mean, I just sort of, I'm just being honest with you. I kind of understood what they were trying to do. And maybe that's, that's self-preservation or maybe that's just me 
you know, getting paid pretty good money to have this, you know, show made off of my book. But I understood it wasn't a documentary. It was a dramatic TV series based sort of loosely at times on a book. And I, I feel like as long as you have that perspective, you're a little more laid back about it all. I didn't know any other way to go about it. Can you give us the nutshell version of how you were approached and how this all came to fruition? And now they picked up another year, which I'm sure you're very pleased about. Yeah, it's great. This is, I'm telling you, I am, uh, I, I'm so despondent on how the world is going uh, from climate change to Trump to the Supreme Court over and over. And this whole experience has just been a, a, a ray of light when I've needed one. And I'm not being, I'm not exaggerating. Like it really has been a ray of light when I've needed one. Um, I wrote the book Showtime in 2014 and an aspiring screenwriter, like a very young screenwriter named Jim Hecht reached out to me and asked if I would consider selling him the rights and he had this vision for a TV series. And I, I basically gave him the rights for free. Not even basically, I did give him the rights for free because I didn't know what I was doing. Wow. And through the years, he would update me and I would never believe it was going to happen. I'd had stuff option before, it never happens. And then, you know, one day we're meeting with Adam McKay and then one day I'm getting a contract from HBO, and then one day I'm seeing a link, you know, an article uh, on Variety.com about John C. Riley, and another day about Adrian Brody, and then Sally Field. I actually Googled, I, uh, I texted my wife, and I said, you get two guesses, think of the biggest actress you can name, and she's in my show. And she said, Meryl Streep, and I said, no. <laughs> she said, Sally Field, and I said, yes. I mean, it's just been surreal. The whole thing's been surreal. It really has been. It's been unbelievable, and I look forward to season two. Any idea? Well, you know. When is that going to begin? When are we going to be able to see that? I think next summer. Hopefully okay. late next summer, I think it comes out. Now, as far as your next project, I mean, you're not just settling down with the kids all together. I mean, what's uh, what's your next bite at the apple? Well, I have a book coming out in October. It's a biography of Bo Jackson, my, uh, one of my favorite athletes as a kid. So it's called The Last Folk Hero, and it comes out October 25th. How difficult was it to get him to talk? Because he has been reluctant in the past. You know, when he was with Kansas City, he didn't want to chat too much when he came through Baltimore, I recall. Um, it was a pain. He uh, Basically, when I got the book deal, not that long after, I wrote him a letter, got his home address, wrote him a letter, sent him a bunch of the books I wrote. And maybe a week later, I get a phone call from Bo Jackson. And he was delightful and lovely and cool but said he wouldn't talk. He wouldn't talk. And he said he made it clear he didn't have a problem with me writing the book. He just wasn't going to help me with the book. So, um, you know, again, like you said to open this interview, uh, you're not going to talk to me. It's totally fine. But I'm going to go, I'm going to get the Auburn media guys and I'm going to call every single human being in those media guys and call the Royals and call the Raiders and on and on and on and just dig and dig and dig. And that's cool. I don't, he's under no obligation to talk to me, but I, I just think he's a historic figure worthy of a biography. Absolutely. But you did convey to him that, you know, once the book is written, I can't change anything. And you had your opportunity. Please don't write an angry letter in about a year. Yeah, but that never works. I never say that because it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't say to him because then it comes off like you're warning him or threatening him. That's I'm not true. trying to threaten anyone. That's but true. like, it is clear. Look, man, I did give you the chance to talk. I called you. I would uh, every so often if I found some cool bow document, I would just send it to him in the mail. Not hoping he would talk. Just I don't know. It just kind of seemed like it would be cool for him to see it. And uh, never heard anything from him. Imagine. Wow. Jeff, okay. all right. I know you like having your own weekly podcast. Where can folks find you uh, and want to hear you? Where can they reach you? Well, I do have a weekly writing podcast, journalism podcast, called Two Writers Sling and Yang. And uh, it's everywhere. You know, Spotify, Apple, all the different places. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure. Uh, love having you on. I wish you nothing but the best. And uh, hope to get you on the show at some point. We'll work at it months from now. 
I appreciate it so much. All right, thank you, Jeff. Jeff Perlman joining us here on Sports with Coleman. Excellent writer. Man, I can't wait for season two of Winning Time. Showtime was excellent. Can't wait to read the Bo Jackson book and everything he has to say about Bo, except Bo being quoted, because Bo knows Bo better than anyone else. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.